0: Restaurant Unstoppable Episode Six Hundred and Thirty-One with Chef Julian
1: Medina um, in Mexico. You you have different uh, grades of, of to be a cook. So first you're like uh, basically a helper. Then you come uh, cook B, and then a cook A. So for you to get from like helper to cook A, usually takes you um, three to four years in that kitchen. It took, me, um, it took me a year to go there.
0: Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become Unstoppable. <laughs> It doesn't get easier than Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and use. With cloud-based access from any device, 24-7 customer support, and a lifetime access to Cake University, how could you not love Cake? To learn more about Cake point of sale, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you're a Restaurant Unstoppable listener, you will save $750 off activation. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. When your employees are empowered to speak up internally, you can stay one step ahead of costly issues that can tarnish your brand before they become larger public problems. Ethics Suite is the first employee incident reporting platform developed to be fully customizable for every industry, including the restaurant industry. Unethical workplace behavior is a threat. It's time to protect your business with an incident reporting system. Find out why Ethic Suite is the leading anonymous reporting system for the restaurant industry at ethicsuite.com slash restaurant unstoppable. Everybody loves payday. Am I right? But loving your payroll provider—that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows—you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to Gusto.com/unstoppable. And when you run your first payroll you'll get your first three months free again that's gusto.com slash unstoppable and with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Julian Medina. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today?
1: <laughs> Sometimes I feel. To my, to, uh, this morning I do. <laughs> nice. I have a nice coffee, so yes. Beautiful. Today I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, let's rock and roll.
0: So raised in Mexico City, Julian Medina's inspiration was his father and grandfather's authentic home cooking. Training professionally in Mexico City, Julian was brought to New York City to be chef de cuisine. At Maya Which earned two stars From the New York Times Under Julian's leadership Maintaining his position at Maya Julian enrolled In the French Culinary Institute Graduating with recognition Ever since he's been Opening restaurants And partnerships Until 2017 When he opened La Chula His first solo restaurant Today Chef Mendina Is the chef owner of And you're going to have To help me out here Just listen Because I am going to destroy These names trying to say them Go ahead
1: <laughs> um, Toloache, uh, Tacuba Coppelia um, which one I'm missing? So, La Chula, uh, <laughs> Latinaria. <laughs> you got a lot going. <laughs> a in La Chula times <laughs> three,
0: right? In TKS? Yes. Is the other one. So, man, you're busy. I uh, cannot wait to dive into your story to find out how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us?
1: Oh, man. Um, it's a hard one. But um, what I think and I always tell people is just to stay humble, to work mm. hard, and to corder way. Which means run, run, because you know the day just has not a lot of hours, and you have to finish your stuff, yeah. and you know. So you have to run I, in the kitchen.
0: <laughs> Jared and I worked <laughs> in a Greek restaurant for a while, and the similarity was tucka tucka tucka. There you go. Always go go <laughs> go, go go. Right. Uh, so great stuff. Great way to get this thing started. So where does it make sense to start telling your story? Take it to the point where you fell in love with the industry and you knew this was going to be your path.
1: Wait. Um, well, um, after prep school. Um, you know, like a crazy kid, 17 years old. I told my parents I wanted to be a chef. They kind of uh, fell on the sofa. But um, <laughs> I, I had a passion for cooking since then. Um, I grew up with uh, my grandfather and my father cooking. Um, always watched them cook. Um, I thought that that would be, the, the, the you know, um, one of the careers that I was passionate for. Um I had uh, a really great aunt that she was very well connected in Mexico and she put me to practicing in a few different kitchens around Mexico City.
0: So in my research it looked like it, it started in Mexico Mexico City. was that was there anything that's worth mentioning before making it to Mexico City or is that where you got your start?
1: That's where I, I got my start. Um, you know, practicing and uh, going from kitchen to kitchen learning and see, uh basically, you know, the chef's looking at me if I had it or not. Actually, one of the chefs told me, I don't think you're going to make it, so oh. just go to school. When did this happen along the timeline? Yeah. Was this
0: somewhere in the, the middle of your career? At the beginning. Oh, Literally, really? It
1: was at the beginning. Well, I was 17 years old, a kid. I never stepped, uh, you know, foot in a, uh, on a real kitchen. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a bummer, but I was like... I'm going to pretend I'm not going to listen to you and I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, I think, I,
0: think I, I wanted to pull back a layer on that just because I feel like a lot of times I, we hear all the time that people who become successful in this industry usually have one person that recognized something in them and said, hey, like you got what it takes. You're good at this. And that, that positive reinforcement is what kept them on the track and they, they felt pride in what they were doing. But it sounds like early on you had the opposite situation where somebody said maybe you shouldn't be doing this. So my question for you is how did you – You said you kind of just shrugged it off, but, like, get deeper into that. How did you kind of not let that, like, completely derail Um, you?
1: I mean, it was a shock because uh, at that time, um, cooking, it was not, like, you know, was uh, so uh, famous, you know, or uh, so typical just to do it back in Mexico. So, and he was one of the best chefs in Mexico who told me that. Ah, So, because I remember very well that I was just standing there and then, he asked me to go grab me that, uh, you know, sauté pan out of the oven. I went and got it for him and gave it to him. And then after that, he called me in the office. Like, I don't, I don't see you in the kitchen, so I think... Uh, Did you I stay at this restaurant? <laughs> no. <laughs> Was that the last day? Uh, no, well, after that, uh, I think I stayed f- for a week long. Okay. Um, and I moved off to another another restaurant. Do you remember
0: the, the dialogue in your head that you had to, like, how you kind of talked yourself out of that, that situation to have the...
1: I'm not, you know what it, it, it happened so long yeah, ago I, I that now you. I just kind of laugh about it I hear you. Um, but um but no, i mean it, it didn't strike i mean i i, I knew that uh, that i i wanted to pursue this, and I'm very stubborn sometimes uh, not, as my partner here. <laughs> uh, but um but i knew that i i was i needed to try it. Yeah. Uh, I needed to try somewhere else. So So
0: you came to New York City in 1996. Yeah. Uh, what time did you get started working in uh, Mexico um,
1: City? Like around 93, at the the end of 93. So I was like three years, three years. before. Yeah. How many restaurants did you work in, in that three years? Um, year? I work in three. Okay. Is there um,
0: one restaurant in particular that you feel like you've most transformed?
1: Yeah. Um, when I worked at the Nico Hotel back in the day... Uh, french cuisine it was just like the you know the the mecca of the of the of cuisine and cooking so after going to la hacienda los morales where this chef told me that I, I didn't have it i went and practiced there so practice it was nine to two just you know the typical shift monday through friday mm-hmm. and i was there every day um so when les celebrities obviously a french chef is there beautiful kitchen it was like some sort of a stadium it was just an amazing kitchen, one of the best I ever worked. Um, very professional, everyone, very, very professional. And also, you know, like any other career, you know, you get jealousy and stuff. So everybody was bothering me because I was just like, you know, the the spoiled kid that I wanted to just go and learn how to, I, I don't know, just to one, cut some onions. So um, one day, um, one, of, uh, one of the cooks actually that I was working with every day didn't show up to work.
0: Okay, opportunity. So <laughs> the French
1: um, chef, uh, Chef Albando Temple, um, came and is like, hey, um, you want the job? I was like, yeah, all right, you start now. So, so what was
0: that like getting that opportunity? What was it like <laughs> getting that, that promotion?
1: I mean, to, you know, practicing is not even getting paid, obviously. From that moment to, like, getting paid and having that responsibility, it was huge for me. I was super excited. Um,
0: And where in this three-year period are we at this point?
1: At the beginning. Beginning. Um, Before, obviously, I came. It was, like, uh, maybe six months after I started, like, even holding the knife.
0: So, take us through that evolution. Like, is there... Or maybe is there the next restaurant you went to where you maybe took on a, a more serious role? Were you ever a chef de cuisine or an executive chef at these restaurants?
1: Well, um, that I mean, I was six months that just started. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. for you to get promoted until like almost a, uh, you call it uh, um, in Mexico, you, it, you have different uh, grades of, of to be a cook. So first you're like uh, basically a helper. Then you come uh, cook B and then I cook A. So for you to get from like helper to cook A usually it takes you um, three to four years wow. in that kitchen. It took, me, um, it took me a year to go there. So, so what did you
0: do that was different than other people? Obviously, there is probably a <clears throat> natural ability, a natural inclination. But did you do anything different than other folks to kind of make that happen in an expedited way?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I was there early. Um, earlier than usual. you know. I was just uh, there later if they need me. If I need to double, I double. I was just uh, you know, I try to do my best every single day. It's something that
0: comes up a lot on the show and it sounds like you're probably doing that. So I I know, like we said, it was 1996 where I believe it was Chef Richard uh, Sandoval, did I say that correctly? Yeah came to Mexico City on a trip, uh, and he discovered you somehow, some way. Where were you at this point? This is three years later or two and a half years later from when you get your first line cooked role and you kind of climb the ladder. Well,
1: actually, um, it happened uh, a little different. Um, I was working at Les Celebrites at this French restaurant, um, so a new cook came in and I was training him. Um, And I said, you know what, I think I'm ready just to leave Mexico and go somewhere else. You have any contacts? And he's like, "Yeah, I have one in New York and one in Spain. Where are you gonna go first or try first? I said, "New York." So he Why New York. I, I don't know. It was just the first. I mean, I've been here all over the states by then. Um, I mean, I was lucky to, that my parents brought me everywhere. But uh, I, I, was never been here in New York. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, what? It's better than New York to to start your career as a cook right so that's what i said let's go to new york i wanted to have something different
0: okay and how did you discover uh this opportunity with chef richard
1: so this this guy um give me a number of like i know the manager of uh, one of the restaurants Why don't you call i call pick up the phone literally call this guy he's like well um i cannot help you but i can just pass you with the owner that he's here okay and it was richard sandoval and he picked up the phone and talk to me and i said oh um you know i'm looking for an opportunity i'm from mexico i work here i do this blah 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 and he's like um okay well yeah thank you but i don't need uh, anyone uh, anyone at this time i was like okay so i told him where i work i told him where i was and the next um the next day uh the sous chef i don't know he calls me julian julian
0: the, the the sous chef
1: the in sous New chef. York or in where no you no were? no okay. the sous chef in, in the restaurant in Mexico. Gotcha, Julian, gotcha. you have a phone call and I go pick up the phone and it's Richard Sandoval. Hey, I thought about it, I think I want you to he come here. You must have here. done some research.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well
1: I don't even know because there was nothing to search. I don't think yeah. it didn't Google exist back like then. Um, and then the, I was like, Oh, okay. He's like, When when can you come? Two weeks? I was like, uh, all right, let me let me see. So from that moment on, my my life changed. Yeah. Um, I was here two weeks after. So I didn't know where I was going to stay. <laughs>
0: so you're in New York. <laughs> Take us to that what, what that was like, uh, the experiences you were experiencing. It
1: was just uh, funny. I mean, I um, he's like, uh, talk to the manager and he will arrange everything for you. Where are you going to stay? You just look for him. So I talked to him and he's like, oh, okay, this Mexican dude. That I end up, he ended up being my roommate, nice. or vice versa. Makes it a little easier. Yeah. So he's like, okay, from JFK, you take the bus to the city. They're gonna leave you in Grand Central. From Grand Central Station, you take a cab to the restaurant, and uh, it was uh, it was the restaurant was called Saban. It was not Mexican at all. It was American nation at that time. It was just like the whole like the you know the uh, reductions and. Okay. Uh, Balsamic and all, all over the place, and the squeeze bottles. And so it was very collective. It was totally new for me. Okay. Uh, I mean, I came from like a really French trained um, restaurant. So, when you
0: came onto this new restaurant in New York City, what role did you take on originally?
1: Um, <laughs> um, I started like prepping, like whatever. They didn't even need me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he just pushed me into that restaurant. The chef was American, uh, the sous chef was American. And there were a few Mexicans. And he's like, listen, I don't need you here. I don't know why he brought you in. I really, you know, one day you're going to prep. One day you're just going to help the salad guy. One day I was like... It kind of sounds well,
0: like from like this from maybe the restaurant tourist perspective, Richard's perspective, he saw an opportunity. Maybe he wanted to put you in the bullpen for something that he wanted yeah. to do later on. He's like, "I have an opportunity for a, a, a different vertical, different type of cuisine." This person's approaching me. Like, why say no to this opportunity? Maybe yeah. we can create something for him. Is that? Do you think that played into it? I don't
1: think so. I didn't. He, he, did, he wasn't even here when I. I'm came. speculating right now. <laughs> he wasn't even here when okay. I came in. He was not even uh, in the kitchen. I mean, it's like he was just all over the place. <laughs> Uh, so then and then I end up like you know showing this chef Jeff uh, that he become a good friend of mine like what I was capable to do and take on a station on my own and uh, just help him and then until we start drinking Guinness at the end of the shift so (laughs) that was that was that worked out perfectly so when did things start to transition into
0: more of a serious role where they saw that what you could do they saw that you had talent when did you start really taking the bull by the horns
1: yeah, um, well, then, you know, I find out that Richard wanted to open a Mexican restaurant because 1996, 90, 1997, before 2000, there were not a lot, a lot of Mexican restaurants back then. So he saw the opportunity to open something different and fresh and new and uh, exciting. Um, and this is Maya. That, w- that was Maya. And then he started looking for a chef. So I was like, I thought he was a chef, but I didn't know exactly what was going on. So a few Mexican chefs came and did some tastings and stuff, and here and there, and his partner in those Saban restaurants, he was American, and he's like, no, I don't want to get involved. You know, I mean, everything was for, like, going to failure there. Um, And then he decided, oh, I'll be the chef.
0: So everything Um, at Maya uh, was going, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Maya was going to down the, the, the tube space. I mean, even before
1: ship. we got there, it's just like he didn't have a lot of money to open. He took, like, a huge space on First Avenue that no, is wait, still but there. But you know
0: now, like, how would you di- dissect that situation? Uh, mm-hmm. What would have taken that? Well, I mean, obviously, you got into the... the, the the the, the pilot seat or the, the chef yeah. seat and, and you eventually got two stars right from New York yeah. so I mean I
1: was ready I mean I was just like you know what if he pays me I'm good <laughs> you know I mean I uh, I was very excited um and then we, we decided we were opening he started with a menu he was there for a week basically and then he just like stepped out of the kitchen and he's like you're in charge so
0: early on you said it was going down the tubes well
1: i'll i'll confused. tell <laughs> you i'll tell you i'll tell you the story Please. i'm telling you i mean everything seemed like it was just chaotic because he didn't want to be the chef and then he oh, ended okay. up being the gotcha, chef gotcha. so we started like you know developing this menu by now my my training is french I mean, obviously, I'm from Mexico, but I I, I, did, I, didn't know shit about Mexican cuisine. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm allowed to You, curse? Can, you can say oh, whatever sorry. comes out of your mouth. There's no filtering here. <laughs> I was like, seriously, I didn't know how to cook a simple thing of Mexican food. I was like, I, I mean, I, I need to study. I need to research. So um, I asked my parents uh, when they were coming to New York, bring me books. So I started you know researching and doing and stuff i mean back in the day it was like now you can find chipotle jalapenos anything in any in any supermarket back in the day it was like nothing around this area only east harlem yeah. that was where the mexicans yep. are we used re- i remember we used to come and buy mole and with la coche from like a, a store here in 103rd yeah. and lexington because there was none yeah So, and obviously, I didn't even know how to make mole. So, I'm calling my sous chef back in Mexico, my friends. I was like, hey, how do you make this? How do you make that? (laughs) I love the honesty. Like, I have like a hundred recipes. They're all French. So, I think that was very important in in my career because... I'm assuming um, this is all before the two
0: stars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what? What? Like, when did things really start to pick up? When did you Ooh. catch? When did you start to catch stride and, and figure it out? And so take us through
1: that, I mean, Richard left me there after a week, so I'm I'm in charge. Okay, and and the restaurant was very slow, very very slow. He hired a PR company, so one day the PR company called Richard and said, "Oh." Um, Gail Green was at Maya, Richard, and she didn't like it. I remember that day. Richard got wasted at the bar. He was sitting at a stool, and then he just fell backwards. Like <laughs> the potter porter has, had to pick it up. You know, um, we were like devastated because we worked so hard for it. And then two weeks later, uh, we got a call, and it's like, oh, the New York Times is reviewing you for this Wednesday. We're like really fucked <laughs> we are completely screwed um, then for making 100 covers Wednesday come we got two stars we have a line out the door we're making four or five hundred covers from that so that was real that was, real. That was, is, that was, that was uh, the part that it was, it started getting real yeah,
0: I like to try to dissect stories a little bit and I think that one thing that is just coming to my mind listening to your story is just the power of doing something different uh, at the time, before 2000, we're talking 1996, there weren't many Mexican restaurants in New York City, right? So it's probably because you were a unique concept, a, you know, that was your unique selling proposition. Right? Yeah. You had something that nobody else was doing. Would you, do you think you would have gotten the attention from the New York Times if you weren't so you know, in left field and you weren't so out of the box? Do you think that maybe played into the, even getting um, the opportunity to get the review?
1: I mean, yeah, we were new, we were fresh, we were different. we were making stuff that nobody's seen in the Mexican cuisine here in new York um I think that was the key and yeah. uh from now on we we are the what one, one of the f- the first restaurant that Mexican that earned two stars yeah um we're packed, everyone's excited i mean. It was just a, a, a dramatic change in the in the Mexican scene in the i mean here in New York because now everyone is looking at us not yeah. only from the Mexican restaurant that existed but from all the restaurants everywhere that's amazing so what was that like that transition of kind of like crickets being kind of slow not having a lot of business
0: <laughs> to all of a sudden 90 miles an hour, uh, New York times, two stars, everybody wants to check you out. You're on everyone's yeah, spot.
1: Yeah. That was, I mean, back in the day, back in the two thousands, that was, that was the, the impact of the New York times. Now it's all different, but, uh, but whoever got reviewed, they had a line out the door from the times. I mean, it was just Ruth Rachel wrote an amazing review. Um, obviously, uh, everything was Richard because he was,
0: but you had experience in busy restaurants in New York City. So it's not like well, <laughs> you weren't used to that capacity, that, no. that volume, or was it no, different? No.
1: I mean, uh, at Savannah it was a 55-seat place. Okay. We, at the most, we used to do 100 covers. So this was completely new to you? Oh, yeah. Totally. What was that
0: like? How was that transition well, into I, such a busy I, restaurant?
1: I totally learned a lot as, as I was going. I mean, I was, what, I was 23 years old. Wow. So, and I was the chef that was in there um when things mellowed down a little bit i was like okay i need to i need to do something it's like i'm always have a you know you know a, a chip in my shoulder that i need to do something else so i was like i need to go to school because i think that's important and stuff so um once it was settled you know from you know being busy every day i, I used to work seven days like i don't know, 14, 12, Hours depends depends twelve hours thirteen hours. Go to the fish market sometimes at three o'clock in the morning. It was just uh, chaotic. How, how do you but have I was time to do school? How do you mean, time the Swiss school into middle? Yeah, th- so um, so I went and started looking, researching for some schools back in the day. It was French Culinary Institute. It was here in the city. Um, it was nine to three Monday to Friday. So I said, Richard, I'm going to school nine to three. I will be here at four. I will have everything ready. And and cook service and expedite at the same time for five hundred people. So, and how long were you um, in school? I was there for it was like eight months. Eight six, months. Six to eight months. Yeah. Did you uh, approach
0: burnout at any time during that eight <laughs> months, uh, taking classes from nine to three and then working
1: till probably what was, midnight, one o'clock? Yeah. In the morning? I mean, I didn't have a full day off in those six months, basically because how my day health? off it was Monday and or something. Sometimes I would take a Sunday, but. But I never, I never... Did you me- ever
0: hit a wall at any of these points? And, and no, was- I was
1: so excited. <laughs> and then awesome. the, the thing, <laughs> it's funny because the thing that when you go to school and then it's like all these, you know, young um, guys that, and, and girls that they wanted to become chefs. But also they were like the lawyer or the doctor that they didn't like their career and they wanted to be chefs too. So older people, so it was, it was just coming to the class.
0: So... So you graduate the French Culinary Institute in 1999, right? Yes. Um, then that's your first executive chef role with Am saying that Sushi right? Samba. i Sushi mm-hmm. Samba. Sorry. Sushi Samba. What was that like, that, that transition into uh, the executive chef role? This is your first executive um, chef position. Well,
1: actually, um, a Richard's brother, who was a general manager, he moved to Sushi and He started there. And he's like, hey, you want to come and talk to the owner? And then I think we're looking for people. We're expanding. So I went there. Um, it was when they were opening the second location. So I was going to be the chef of one. Um, and... I didn't think it twice. I was like, I think it's time uh, time for me to move, to learn something different, and um, I move and and start working there.
0: So before we start diving into the the next series of your your you know career, I mean from to, from 2000 basically to I think 2014, I counted something like eight or ten restaurants you opened. So it's going to be hard to focus. Yeah. Uh, but up to this point, reflecting back on your career. Up to graduating culinary school, were there any key mentors, any people who, who you think really influenced who you were up to that point? Values, ethics, business knowledge, anything like that that you can share from us, any nuggets you can extract?
1: Well, um, I think uh, Richard was uh, also a big role in my career because he gave me the opportunity. What did you learn from Richard? Give me something specific that he taught you. Um, I learned how to drink tequila with him. <laughs> <laughs> Did you didn't learn how to drink tequila <laughs> in Mexico. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> but just the shitty ones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, he was just a businessman all the time. So I think um, I said I want. You know, I learned a lot of, from him about what? business. Because uh, after, after, you know, after being here in New York, and then he started expanding. He wanted to open in San Francisco and here and there. So he always had like a vision, and he always like went for things. I think that's why. Also, I am now that I want to go and grab everything and uh, try to to, you know, to focus in just like opening places and different concepts and stuff. And he always think out of the box. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's what I learned from him.
0: So to summarize, uh, he always had a vision and he always took a risk and went after it. And he was always thinking outside of the
1: box. Yeah. Give me an example of how he would think outside the box. Um... I don't know, it was, it, it's, it's hard to explain um, He will just like come up with like He will just like literally like I do sometimes I jump into the kitchen And he start making a dish from like Oh, we don't have special, okay And then he will just like come up with things So we go to the walking and just start grabbing just things happen, And, right? and um, you know, things like that, you know he very charismatic, I learned that from him too Just like talk to everyone, try to talk to everyone Um, So, I don't know. He was just like always um, in his own world, but always thinking, you know, uh, for the business. Awesome. We're going to take our quick break to thank a sponsor and we'll be right back.
0: Cake makes it easy. Thousands of restaurant operators are using Cake POS and loving it. With its easy, simple to use, and intuitive interface, how could you not? Cake users are achieving peak satisfaction with 24-7 customer support, not to mention lifetime access to Cake University. No wonder customer satisfaction scores are so high. Everything about Cake is simple, including its POS integration with Cake Guest Manager and Google Reservations, which basically allows your guests to book reservations or get on wait lists straight from Google Search or Google Maps, that's pretty rad. This simple integration alone has increased guest count by as much as 25 Five percent. To learn more about how cake makes it easy, head over to try slash unstoppable. And because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners, you can save $750 off activation for cake point of sale, but you have to use my links again. That's try cake.com slash unstoppable. All right. So we're back and I don't know how there's no way we're going to touch every one of these openings, every <laughs> one of these experiences. So yeah, why don't you get, like, zoom up to 30,000 feet for me. Get an aerial view looking back at your life. Which one of these experiences do you think was most transformative for you? Uh, maybe somebody who you uh, in- encountered at one of these openings that really had an impact on who you are today. Can you take us to that point, the first time this really happened for you?
1: Um, now that uh, you asked, asked that question, it's just like it's, It's. I think everyone, everyone you know when you when you open so many places and stuff you have someone that taught you life um and they teach you something like for example the owner of uh, sushi samba shimon he was just very businessman and very very tough like i learned from him that that i don't want to be like him you know he was just like an asshole sometimes and I hope uh, Shimon, I love you. If you're hearing that, <laughs> if you're listening to this one. I love you. Thank you. I, I learn a lot. He was just very businessman, and he, yeah. um, I mean, he was just like he went, He was very anal, and he won everything perfect. So I learned from that that just like, you know, um, I needed to be there when I need to be there, and I needed to focus and you know, do good food, and that was that was the whole point. But and, you bring up a really important point, and that is that you learn
0: from both positive and negative experiences. Yeah. Um, you, you learn what not to do. Right? Yeah. Uh, so thank you for bringing that to the table. What about, keep going. Anybody else that comes
1: to mind? Real quick? Um, well, after Sushi Samaki actually gave me the opportunity to open the one in Miami. So I went and opened that in Miami in 2002. I was there for a year.
0: You know, I think it might help if we just, real quick, without getting into detail, just run through like, okay, that, like that 15 year period <laughs> right. to, to give the listeners an idea of what you did. And you and have, Then we'll dissect it a little. I
1: little. have 20 seconds. Go.
0: <laughs> yeah, go for it. So. <laughs> Uh, um, we, I think we left off at Sushi uh, yeah, s- so, Samba. Yeah, so Sushi
1: Samba 2002. I opened for a year in Miami. Then I came, Richard called me again. Richard Sandoval called me again. Hey, I'm opening Pampano in the city with Placido Domingo. This, and this is 2003. Um, you want to come and help me? It's like, no, thank you. I'm good here in Miami. It's just beautiful <laughs> here. I can go to the beach before work. And then he called me again. I was like, okay, I'll go. So I came back to New York. Um, open Pampano with him, earn another two stars with him. That was a lot more my input on the menu I cook for William Grimes. I'm gonna the, the breaks real quick and we're yeah. gonna try to
0: make this quick, but what what did he say to you uh that made you come the second time he called? The first time you weren't going anywhere, the second time you're like, all right, I'll come. What, what was mean, different about the second
1: time? Richard call? is always very you know convincing. Yeah. <laughs> like why don't you just come and, you know, I I'm going to send you a ticket and just come and let, let's talk. So he showed me the space, he showed me, you know, I'm opening with Placido da da da.
0: So that lasted about a year that you were there. Um
1: yeah, also, you know, being in Miami for a year it was just it was great, but uh, I didn't see myself there also. <laughs> so, I mean, New York is it's it's what's up. Yeah. And I. that's why I wanted to come back. So that's why I came back. So Z- me, Zocalo, right?
0: 2004.
1: Yeah. Then after that, I was like, uh, Richard started opening in Vegas here. now. you're my uh, corporate chef. I was like, okay, well, where's the money? <laughs> uh, the, the only thing that Richard was, he it was, it's, and he's still probably very cheap. But, um, <laughs> Which is a Probably one of those variables that plays yeah. in very significantly when being in So, yeah, I mean, if you want me really to start traveling all over the place, you have to pay me. So, he yeah. didn't want to pay me. I moved to Sokolo. I mean, I'm been that serious. And um, I moved to Sokolo. Um, also, um, when I got there, it was just like seriously uh, a shithole. And I was just like, why am I doing here? <laughs> Um, I did you don't turn know. it around? You, you were you there <laughs> for three years.
0: Did you turn it around?
1: I turn around I mean uh over double the business like in three months. How did you turn it around?
0: Take us okay, maybe we can hover here for a little bit. What did you yeah. do to take it from a shithole to something that turned around that was doing well?
1: How did you um, do it? Um well I started bringing my own people, changed completely almost the whole menu. Uh got a PR, um, get some press, get some buzz that you know, that place has been open for ten years already and you know, it's just it was. It needed a change, so people started loving it. People started coming back. And that's how I turned around in such a short period of time. Um, it, good food, good uh, environment. I mean, yeah. So, 2008,
0: or sorry, 2007, uh, Toloche. Did I say that correctly? Yes, Toloche. Yeah. <laughs> toloche. Uh, 2007, why, why make the move? What was going on?
1: Um, so, one of my partners starts... Um, I don't know. I, I met him through uh, some waiter from Sokolo. Oh, you should meet this guy, la, la, la. So he came over. Hey, I want to show you space. Uh, I wanted to open a Mexican place. So he showed me what uh, Toloachi on 50th is. It was a shitty Italian restaurant that they had. Um, he came in with, um, with um, a manager of Rosa Mexicano. Which I was just like, uh, I'm not sure. He's like, oh, the three of us. Like, no, thank you. I'm just, I don't Why? If what? I want to do something, you want to approach me, just approach me. Don't approach someone else. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, by now I opened so many restaurants. It was, if I wanted to open a restaurant with the with partner, uh, I just, I mean, you know, I didn't want to have like 10 partners and stuff. So um, I knew exactly what I wanted. And then I said, thank you. But no. He asked me again. Like a few months later he asked me again without the guy, <laughs> without the other manager. And I was like, Okay, all right, this seems like we can do something. So
0: So I think it's really important um, that you understand what, what you want, right? That's what I'm picking up from you. Understanding what you want and then not budging when you know what you want. And if it's not what you want, then don't take then don't just go because it's an opportunity. I think people take right blind opportunities all the time in this industry because they're hungry for their own restaurant yeah it's the dream is what they want is what they've always wanted their own restaurant yeah and then they get this opportunity and they dangle the carrot in front of them and they bite and they don't take the, the time to do the due diligence to make sure these partners are the right fit for me same values, same vision the line for all this stuff was that what was going through your head or are there things it, I'm missing you know
1: it, it's hard to, to pick, I mean to pick a, a business partner um, I'm lucky that I pick um my partner here, Megan, uh, for La Chulas, but uh, but it's very hard to pick a partner. You can come into the frame real quick, Megan, <laughs> if you want
0: to wave for the camera. She's she's been kind of lurking in the shadows, real quick. <laughs> so, but
1: uh, but it's it's hard. You, I mean, I thought we were a good match, and I have two other, uh, like two partners in Toluache, Tacuba, Copelia. So just to, um, so, yeah. to
0: bring it to paint the big picture again 2017 toliacha totally uh three partners now two partners well two and, and myself and then you the second time myself. they drop one partner so i yeah. only have two partners um and you go for it um that's where you were kind of picking up i think
1: yeah um so he showed me the space and i was just like um i don't know you have uh, every time that i see a space and i walk it through i mean i know from right there if it could just like be something or not I don't know just uh, I'm kind of anal on that or I'm lucky yeah. that I can just like visual things and I just like um, it was like an Italian restaurant they had a, a brick oven I was like oh perfect we can just do this and that and that and then I have so many ideas and stuff I transform the kitchen I change it I clean it I open it I make it brighter uh, make it uh, we hire like a little designer so she help us you know design a little bit the restaurant um, so we kept a lot of things there um, um, it took really like six to eight months to open the place and it was up and running um, yeah so uh, we started uh, Midtown West I mean I didn't have a clue it was Midtown I always work Upper East uh, you know Midtown East uh, West Side but never in the theater district so what was the difference
0: um for those of us not you know, from New York City.
1: Um, I thought, oh we have to I have to come up with a menu that is just not too crazy but you know approachable for all the tourists that come uh, to pre theater and stuff. So because everyone is just driving me crazy about pre theater, this, that, and tourists. So um, I, I just changed that menu like a hundred times. It's like literally like a hundred times, make it bigger, make it smaller. Were you just um, trying to
0: find the sweet spot? Was that a struggle for you?
1: No, I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, but I just wanted to give something that it was just a special and also give something that for a tourist that it comes from Middle America or whatever, that um, they're not familiar or they're not very familiar with Mexican cuisine, but like a good chicken quesadilla, why not? Okay. So that was the, that was the whole thing, just like a variation of Mexican cuisine approachable and the ones that I wanted to, the New Yorkers um experience so what was your biggest lesson in your time your two years or your one year at uh i'm not going to say this right i, I just the the watch watch it thank you <laughs> um there is just like the work hard i mean it's just like it changes it's different it's, it's totally different um you know me town is just learn from something else learn um you learn something every day you know i learned something like when i open a restaurant i shouldn't do this or i what was should the do that
0: biggest lesson you learned at this time
1: Oy. it's hard to say um the biggest lesson i don't i don't know um think of one the first one that comes to mind biggest lesson i think um i think uh, the biggest lesson i think it was just uh, to, to, to stay humble in whatever I was doing, teach people, um, have like a kind of close relationship with your employees, like meaning um, teach them on an everyday basis how to do things. I mean, I, I was just very focused. Stay focused. That's what it is. So
0: 2008, what happens in 2008 to leave this restaurant and go open Yerba uh, Buena? Yerba Buena. Did you get in that one
1: you're yeah okay. <laughs> yeah we um my partner wanted to open like a latin place and you know yeah. fun and sexy and stuff so he asked me to come and just um you know make the menu and stuff so we started you know making the menu latin fresh small different from all over the place so at this point you're you're a,
0: a partner you you have equity in these restaurants you're opening yes yeah. um it sounds like in, in uh two thousand from like two thousand eight to two thousand fourteen it was like a crazy series of years yeah. uh, you had you opened one another Yoruba uh Yoruba yes uh, sorry I'm, well I'm but at right.
1: this point at the you know the first watch i put i put some money um i think if you put a skin on the game a little bit, it just makes you more aware of things instead of just like using someone else's money yeah. so i put i put uh not a lot but a small amount of money, and then since then. Uh, you know i we keep going with the same things these so. must have
0: been successful concepts because in 2007 you opened the first to totally to- 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 I can't say these words but no I just came, not form <laughs> these words and then you opened the second one in uh 2011 uh almost four year or yeah. four years later uh so you had successful you, you know two uh Yerba Buena. Yeah. Uh, so you're doing good concepts there's definitely traction these restaurants are um taking on um then you opened a third one in, again in 2000 so you opened total so three uh, say the word for me again toli-
1: <laughs> Toliache,
0: Thank you <laughs> um, What was it about these concepts that were so powerful, so strong Where you, you can open so many of them in a short period of time? I
1: think we were on a roll um, at that point I think uh, we knew exactly what we were doing And how, um, you know, coming with these concepts It was just uh, something new, a little bit of new and different um, people started knowing me more and more, the press and stuff. So they started liking me a little bit more. Now they don't, but that's another story. So these restaurants <laughs> are still going strong to this day, right? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Uh, the yerba yeah, Buenos I we we don't have them anymore because um, you know we we lost both of the leases actually, um, and then the the you know the landlords they wanted the crazy rent. Okay, but um, yeah. yeah. So you said you mentioned something quickly
0: that there's another story um where people didn't like you what nah, nah. <laughs> what happened there no nah, I
1: think everybody likes me
0: everybody loves me <laughs> no that's not true so um where are we today kind of paint the picture for where we are today um and I guess is there anything different with this opportunity where we're seeing now with Lichula that that you decided to break off on your own um, and focus on this project I,
1: I think uh, as I said you know there's periods of time in my life that I think uh um, I started thinking out of the box too and I wanted to do something also different. And also, you know, it's, it's also good to change a little bit with partners and with uh, people that you do things. It's good to change the partners. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still very... Uh, I have great relationship with my other partners. Um, but uh, but I think it was just time to, to for me to start doing something. Uh, at this point, I I, bit, I get offers like... A lot. I, bet. Um, I don't take all of them, obviously, yeah. um, but uh, it was it was about time. So, S- yeah.
0: so I personally come from the belief that I think in today's age, especially in a market like New York City, um, I don't think you can do it without partners anymore. I mean, to be competitive today, to be able to to run all the facets that a, a successful restaurant needs, you can't be in all those places at once, and people. The, the truly passionate people that get into this industry don't get into it for the money. They get into it for where yeah. the 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 passion for the, the the work of it to to have you know, the, the identity of it all to, to, to tie their identity to it. So, I mean, to, to, to do the job, right. I think you need partners. And yeah. you said that you're very selective or very picky about the partners you select. So what is going through your mind when people are approaching you for opportunities? Like how do you choose the partners that, that,
1: well, I don't have a lot, you know, but, uh, working partners are always great. Uh, that's what I have here in La Chula. um, Megan is amazing. Uh, she's been helping me a lot. Um she she came she came from totally different uh scene. She used to work in you know fashion and magazines and stuff. So um uh, I like uh, I like her because she also thinks out of the box like I do and she comes with great ideas all the time. And I think we complement very well together. So um although sometimes she wants to kill me, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but you know I, I think it works. So what um, is it
0: about? What are the elements of your partnership that work well? Maybe we can get uh, Megan on the mic too to kind of chime in to talk about how you two complement each other. Obviously, maybe it's not completely. obvious. I'm sure you you add other. Uh, variables to the team other variables to the mix aside from the, your experience in the kitchen uh, but i'm sure that's your kind of your lane the back of house what's yeah. megan's lane how does Megan, um, i think
1: team? when um i think to choose a partner you, you're not perfect on everything so you have weak, weak uh weak points or weaknesses and you have strong points so i think um to bring what is the best on me, the strong part, and then the missing part is what Megan does. So um, I try to be around successful people and smart people to help me to my business, and she's one of them.
0: Beautiful. Um, I've, I notice. It looks like we're we're staring at a fast casual concept right now. The uh, tulip. Is this your first fast casual? Yes. So why why make this pivot? It looks like you're kind of doing. Obviously, full service Mexican food. What what was the, the purpose for the pivot to pass? Um,
1: I think uh, uh, the business has changed a lot through like the years. Um, obviously, you know it's 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 hard now to operate restaurants uh, financially, talking because um, you spend a lot more money just like you know, in employees and payroll and food and everything just being up and up and up. Taxes, uh, minimum wage. You name it. So I thought that the, this idea, the, the first one that I opened in Grand Central, um, it's fast casual. It's not even sit down. So you go, you pick up your food, and you go. Um, so there is no servers. There is not a lot of like so you can manager, overhead down. drama. Yes. So try to try to cut the cover, the overhead down, and also having a menu which is reduced, uh, affordable, because it is very affordable. And just bring people in. That's uh, that's what it is, and that's what is just the challenge now. You know, bring more people in um, because there's small checks, so more people has to come.
0: So when you were trying to when you're opening this restaurant, how were you trying to differentiate at that time? How were you trying to stand out? What was your your uh, angle for that? What was your plan for standing out and, and creating something unique in New York um,
1: City? I think um, uh, Mexico City style Taqueria's. There are none I mean there is a few tacos Like uh, Numero uno Or um, And then there is like You know This fast casual mm, What I would call Not authentic Mexican I don't know I'm not going to name any Anybody But um, but, but I think <laughs> <laughs> Like Chipotle And all <laughs> that stuff It's just like that And then from there yes, Everyone wanted to do The next Chipotle so, so So your
0: unique selling proposition Was Authenticity Yeah
1: Uh And Uh, Anything else? No. Just be authentic, have a good product, fresh ingredients, um, and then just do it as authentic as as we could. So, So we're approaching the point
0: now. We're almost at 15 minutes of recording time. Crazy how time goes by so fast, right? Yeah. Anything we did not discuss up to this point That's near and dear to your heart That you want to bring to the table I have a few things I want to bring to the table Before we go to the speed round But what's near and dear to your heart That we have not discussed up to this point
1: Uh, Besides tequila uh, (laughs) I just don't know Um, No, my daughter um, At one point when I opened my first restaurant Toluache, my daughter was born She's 11 now And she's going to be 12 in November So um, Toluache My first Toluache anniversary Um my first, my 12th anniversary is coming up, so she's gonna turn 12 in November. She's uh, the love of my life. I just, I, I guess I keep working for her. Um, so that is one of my. Uh, that's why I wake up every every morning.
0: So since you bring it up, how do you balance that that love for your your daughter and the business side of things? How do you make time for your daughter? How how do you? That? I, you know,
1: I always I always make time for her. Um.
0: How do you make sure you make time for it? Is there something that you do that we can learn? Uh, do you block out time? Do you schedule time? Like, how do you do it?
1: You know, I'm lucky because I can. my schedule depends on me and what I do. Um, now when she's in a school and she has something in the middle of the day, I'll make sure that I'll go to that. Um, when I have the free time, hey, I'm, I'm coming and pick you up from school. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm lucky that I can just like, do that, and yeah. I'm always there for her. I call her probably five, six times a day to see how she's doing. Yeah. I call her um, because I'm I'm divorced, so I call her every morning before she goes to school, seven a.m. every single morning. Um, I stay very close. I have a good relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I mean I'm just like I, I'm actually taking her out for lunch Beautiful. today. So I love it. yeah.
0: Well, hopefully we get wrapped up soon enough that you can uh, make sure you make that appointment. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. But one thing I really want to talk about, and uh, it's going to get a little personal, but I think it's something that's really important that we talk about. Um, you you, you live in the, the American dream, right? You're from Mexico. You're an immigrant to the United States, living the American dream with extreme success. And there's a lot of stereotypes, I feel yeah. like, with, with different immigrants to the, to the United States. But you're breaking all those rules. I mean, you're having extreme uh, success despite all the stereotypes and the racism and everything. Yeah. What, what is your advice for somebody who might be an immigrant um, uh, Coming up who has the dream But maybe thinking they can't do it But when you've clearly done it like, What's yeah. your advice for that person?
1: Um, well, first of all I came legally to this country Just to make it clear I didn't say illegal immigrant <laughs> I said immigrant <laughs> I'm just kidding Well, <laughs> um, now I am feel more like a New Yorker American Than anything uh, I actually live here longer than I live in Mexico um, Mexico is dear to my heart But I think uh, this is my home so, um, you know, when t- when the kids come and stuff or, or people that they really wanted to come and, and, and do that, it's just like, you know what, work from the bottom. Um, and then, you know, if you have it, you're just like, you know, you're going to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I work hard for what I have. Nobody gave me anything. So um, work, work, work. I mean, that's the only thing. And then, you know. That's what I tell, uh, you know, young Mexican chefs when they come. Have you had to overcome stereotypes
0: and racism during your time? Yeah, of
1: course. Yeah, totally. How's, um, what's your
0: advice for people who are
1: dealing with that themselves, who are trying to make their life? Um, I just, you know what? When that happens, I don't pay too much attention. Um, I make jokes out of it instead. Um, I find that um, I, I try to change it to something positive um and that's how this world we live in this world and and i don't think it's going to change anytime soon so you really have to live your life day by day and live it happily and you know work and smile and and just like they're always going to be haters and you know good luck to them
0: you know, I think the other thing that we have to remind ourselves of all the time is that this country is built from immigration. Yeah, like immigrants. We're all immigrants. At one point, yeah. our ancestors immigrated to this country. It's what we're built on. And yeah. I think it's crazy how we lose sight of that sometimes. You know, um, I love this conversation. Uh, one thing I ask all my guests, uh, because the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. So let me ask you: How have you transformed since? Getting your first gig in Mexico City. Who are you today versus that man you were back okay. then? That,
1: that that young man you were back. Well, now. I was a kid when I. Came. <laughs> I, mean, um, I think I'm very, you know, um, very lucky. Um, I changed completely. Obviously, I've grown uh, so much. Um, having responsibilities from like a young age, um, and being here by myself, uh, away from my family, away from my friends and stuff. Uh, but I I build up. Uh, Something that also everybody wants to build, you know, um, you know a career, um, you know, my daughter, um, friends. So, I mean, it, it, changed, it changed completely. I mean, I, I look back and I don't believe that it's just past 25 years. It, it goes back fast,
0: right? Uh-huh. Um, I love this conversation. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors one more time and we'll be right back. Did you know the National Restaurant Association states that losses due to fraud at a restaurant run around 4% of sales? That's like an annual marketing budget. Workplace harassment, discrimination, misconduct, theft, and fraud can all have devastating impact on a restaurant's profitability, public image, and result in legal liability. But how do you respond to and mitigate risk if an incident goes unreported internally before it becomes public? Ethics Suite provides a line of communication between you and your staff, allowing you to stay informed and respond to incidents rapidly and privately. With Ethics Suite, your employees can easily report a suspicious activity or potentially unethical behavior from any device. Anywhere And employees can also submit reports completely anonymously if they so choose. Safeguarding your business starts by listening to your employees. It's that simple. Find out why Ethics Suite is the leading anonymous reporting system for any restaurant in the industry. Head over to ethicsuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable. It's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention you, you've got to compete with the big guys, but how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto, that's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash unstoppable. We're back and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success?
1: Oh, be humble, be a team player. Um, You know, I think that's one of the things that I, I always do.
0: I dig it. What is your biggest weakness?
1: Uh wow. Um I don't even know. Uh that's a hard question because I mean is. what is your weakness? I mean my
0: biggest weakness? Um organization, uh <laughs> I mean I could keep on going,
1: but we only have a few more minutes here. <laughs> um my biggest weakness, um I'm all over the place always. Yeah. I think. I'm just like I'm Starting with something, and then I just move on without finishing the first thing, I guess.
0: What is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process?
1: Um, I don't know. Um, I always ask, what do you see yourself in five years? What are you looking for? Um... I don't that know. They have a point? That, 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 <laughs> that, like, they, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, what do you look at yourself? I don't know. Probably not working for you. I was like, okay. Next, <laughs> what's your biggest <laughs> challenge today? Uh, the staff, the staffing is just like uh, it's it's hard to get these days. It's just like it's, nobody wants to work. Definitely the biggest challenge in the industry by far for so many people. How are you overcoming it? Um, uh, I don't know. I'm just. Finding people, whatever I can is just it's it's hard to it's hard to tell. Everyone in the industry is just like they're always looking for people. Mm-hmm. Like we're short, um only in like two restaurants, like three, four people, so it's hard. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a way to be, a way to act. I think uh you know, customer is always right. Um, you know. Um I'm so anal the bathrooms have to be clean, otherwise you know, I don't know what's in the kitchen. Attention to detail, right. right?
0: What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? This is something that's common um,
1: within, uh,
0: or common within your restaurant, but not common within the rest of the industry.
1: Um, you know, I'm, I'm just like weird and. Um I always ask um, the waiters and stuff, uh, you know, wear always black socks. I, I just don't know. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's a weird one. So, I so, mean, always, you have to be very presentable. But if you're wearing, like, some color, you know, different, it's like, what are you doing? Well, there's
0: just, like, little subtleties. Like, the little things that we don't think about. And, again, I think it goes back to that attention and detail. Yeah, and That is a service thing. Uh, yeah. The little things that might just trigger somebody's attention or pull their attention away from the food that that one person wearing white socks You've never
1: seen the socks but I am what (laughs) I I do that's (laughs) awesome oh what is one
0: book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner
1: Um, setting the table by Danny Meyer
0: yes the the golden standard what is your biggest lesson from that book
1: Um, you know attention to details and service oriented I think that he's just like a master on that Mm.
0: And uh, that book is on Audible. Head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. Get that book for free if you're not already an Audible member. And if you're not listening to audiobooks, you got to. It's a, it's a game changer for people in this industry, I believe. Do you listen to
1: audiobooks? No. Oh, man. That's we got to get, get you signed I will. up. I'll, I'll
0: share the link with you. <laughs> what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough?
1: I think uh, the training, staff appreci- appreciation, I think so is always very important. You know, I like... Last night we were at the Yankee Stadium. I we took some of my employees. I always take them, trying to take them out. You know, just to break showing that. appreciation. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted within your restaurants that's had a huge
0: impact on operations, efficiency, communication, profitability, anything along those lines?
1: Well, uh, Megan, write this for me because she loves a square. <laughs> the beauty of she partners. She had uh, the eight hundred number on, <laughs> on the speed dial on her phone. And that so was Square POS. Square, you know, they, they have payroll, they have uh, customer management, marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you want
0: to? Do you want to hop on the mic, man? You're, you're you're welcome to. <laughs> Yeah, Square is one of the most recommended platforms on the show, for sure. Great service. Great services there. And uh, this is the last question. It's a doozy. Are you ready for it? Yes. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, your restaurants, your memories would be lost with your departure. uh, Except for three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What were those three pieces of wisdom? (laughs) It's a deep question. Where
1: do you come from these questions, man? I'm a weird person. I don't know. I love it um I, I, you know live live your day like like it would be the last one one that's be one be humble that's two um, love, love, love. And that's three, four, five. <laughs> love
0: it. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Jeff. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. That's actually how I found you. Lauren uh, Lynch yes. called you out. Uh, she, t- she connected us. Thank you, Lauren. How? Who do you respect and admire and believe in the great guests in the show? Um,
1: I think uh, Danielle Boulou does ooh, it very, very well. And the bar high. I, I always go to his restaurants and uh, you know the service the food uh, the detail of attention is just what he sets apart and i i just like i love him well you've heard it danielle baludz clear your schedule i'm coming
0: after you i'd love to get you on the show (laughs) and i let the folks at home know how can we connect with you uh if we want to maybe come join your team learn from you or maybe we have some questions
1: what's the best way to connect um you can go to our website LachulaNYC.com like and just uh, send us an email.
0: Beautiful. This is episode 631. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 631. I'll have the summary of today's discussion as well as a link to any tools, services, books recommended, and how to connect with Chef Julian. Again, thank you so much, Chef. It, there is no questioning. You are <laughs> Thank you. It was It was so much fun. Thank you. My pleasure. Unstoppables. Do not click ahead to the next episode. I have a special message for you. I'm going to be at the TRA Marketplace, the second largest trade show in the nation, hosted annually in Texas this year in Houston, July 14th and the 15th. I can get you in for free if you are a restaurant owner, operator. If you work in the industry, I can get you in for free. Head over to the show notes. Find the link for the TRA Marketplace. Register and enter promotional code UNSTOPPABLE19. Again, that's UNSTOPPABLE19. You can get into this trade show for free. Again, second largest trade show in the nation. You can hang out with me at the Restaurant Unstoppable Media stage. Experience live interviews. Uh, maybe even attend a few uh, seminars or uh, keynote speakers with me. and Or just go out on your own. I mean, this is a great trade show. You will not regret going. And again, I can get you in for free. It pays to be a Restaurant Unstoppable
1: listener. Thank you. And see you there.